Hello and welcome to the St. Emlyn's podcast. I'm Rick Boddy. Today we've got the first in a sort of mini-series of our Critical Appraisal Nugget or CAN podcasts. And in this mini-series we'll be focusing on core revision topics. So whether you're a medical student preparing for final exams, a trainee preparing for membership exams, or you just want to make sure that you're at the top of your game when it comes to critical appraisal skills, hopefully this podcast will help you. Today I'm joined by Greg Yates, who works alongside me as an academic FY2 in emergency medicine at Manchester Royal Infirmary. Greg, it's your debut on the podcast. Absolutely. Long-time listener to St. Emlyn's, first-time contributor. And just to reinforce what Rick's saying here, critical appraisal is so important. It's high yield. It's been on every single exam I've ever taken as a medical student or as a doctor, and it really helps me in everyday clinical practice to have a basic grasp of critical appraisal. Today we're going to cover something that's almost guaranteed to come up on an exam in your career, which is the sensitivity and specificity of a diagnostic test. These are crucial terms to get to grips with, both for exams and for your clinical practice. We're going to take you through what they are, what they mean, and how we apply them in clinical practice. Today we're going to start again with sensitivity and specificity, but to do this we're going to use a non-medical example to illustrate what these concepts mean. I want you, Rick, and everybody at home to imagine that you're in a parallel universe where you're no longer Dr. Rick Body. Instead, you're UK Border Force Officer Rick Body. So your team has just been told by our Home Secretary that Britain has a worsening cocaine problem and that it's high time your Border Force did something about it. They're saying there's just too much cocaine getting into the UK, it's flooding the streets, it's flooding our emergency departments, something has to be done. Now, you're lucky because the Home Secretary has just issued your team with two new scanners that are going to help you detect powdered cocaine in people's luggage. They're very high tech, they're top of the range pieces of kit, but they work very differently as machines. So let's go through these two different machines. Scanner number one is the one that seems great on paper. It will never, ever fail to detect cocaine in someone's bag. Doesn't matter how much there is, doesn't matter how many socks you wrap the package in, this scanner will detect the coke. But the problem with this scanner is that it will start beeping for lots of other powders that do not contain cocaine. So for example, if you're carrying baby talcum powder, the scanner will start beeping. So I'm sure you can understand, Rick, that this scanner, although it sounds great because it's definitely going to catch everybody trying to run cocaine, you're also going to end up detaining and interviewing quite a lot of frustrated mums and dads with talcum powder in their luggage. It's not great, is it? I can see that this is going to get quite a bit of negative attention in social media and I'm not going to have the greatest reputation. Instead, you're going to go for scanner number two, perhaps. Now, this scanner has been very precisely calibrated. If it beeps, there is definitely cocaine in that bag and it will never activate for anything else. But the catch with this scanner is that it will only pick up the really obvious barn door cases. If the cocaine has been stashed deep in the suitcase or there's only a tiny amount of it, the scanner will not beep. So if you use scanner number two, yes, you're not going to be wasting your time interrogating innocent people, but you are probably going to unknowingly let some drug runners into the UK. I'm now feeling a little bit unsure about how to proceed in my role as UK Border Force Officer. 
the job of Officer Rick Body is not unlike the job of Dr. Rick Body in the emergency department. Scanner 1, which as a reminder is the one that gives us 100% of cases of cocaine, but isn't particularly specific about what it detects. This scanner, uh, we would say in statistical language, has 100% sensitivity. It gets all the cases, but its specificity is quite bad. So it picks up other things as well and treats it as a positive result. So we can compare that to a test like D-dimer. Now, D-dimer, as a reminder for everybody listening, that's your test that picks up venous thrombus. So whether it's a DVT or perhaps a pulmonary embolus. D-dimer, we know, has a sensitivity actually approaching 100%. It will pick up nearly 100% of cases of DVT or PE. doesn't usually miss them. But what we also know is that a D-dimer can be positive for a myriad of reasons. Cellulitis can make it go up. Other infections can make it go up. Sometimes people who are having heart attacks can have an elevated D-dimer. It is highly sensitive, but not specific. So in our low-risk patients, a negative D-dimer is going to tell me the patient doesn't have a PE. But of course, some patients will have a positive D-dimer even if they don't have a PE. And I'm still going to have to scan them. Exactly. You're not going to miss the cocaine, but you're going to get a bit of talcum powder mixed in with it. Let's think about scanner number two. Scanner number two for poor officer Rick, it will detect 100% specifically whether what it's beeped for is cocaine. So to rephrase that, if it beeps, it's cocaine, but it misses the difficult cases or it misses subtle cases. So in statistical terms, we would say it has 100% specificity, but its sensitivity is not that great. So it's similar in this respect to HbA1c, well, one of the tests that we use to diagnose diabetes. Now, we don't use this one as much in the emergency department, but it's a really good example. It has approximately 99% specificity, but the sensitivity is only 30%. So it misses quite a few people. So you might think twice before using it as your only diagnostic test for diabetes. And it relates very well to our practice in emergency medicine. When we're interpreting a test result, we have to decide what exactly we're trying to use it for. We have to ask what are the consequences of the test result and that will affect how we balance the need for a high sensitivity against the need for a high specificity. So let's say we have a patient who seems fit for discharge but before we can allow them to go home we need to feel pretty sure that they haven't got a particular serious diagnosis. Let's say we're worried about a myocardial infarction. The consequences of missing a myocardial infarction are potentially very significant for the patient. They could die. However, if the first test that we run in the emergency department says that we can't send the patient home, the consequence of that may only be that they need to stay in hospital for another few hours to have another blood test. That's not very serious for the patient. So in that situation, we want a high sensitivity because of the consequences of missing the serious diagnosis, but the specificity doesn't matter nearly as much. On the other hand, we might have a situation where the test is being used to decide if a patient needs a laparotomy, quite a serious operation, which will cause a lot of scarring. So in that situation, we would want a high specificity. It might not matter that the test identifies everyone with the condition we're suspecting, but we don't want many false positives. So we need a high specificity, and we aren't too concerned if the sensitivity isn't very high. And to unpack that second example a bit more, I suppose what you're saying is, you know, if you falsely activate the theatre, there's a lot of resources involved, personnel involved, there's the potential consequences of the laparotomy, complications later on. You really only want to activate the theatre if you're sure 
that is free fluid in that abdomen after trauma. Exactly. So in that situation, we want a high specificity, but we're not too bothered if the sensitivity is a bit lower. And thinking about D-dimer, one of the reasons that emergency medicine research is so interesting is because we're always weighing up the pros and cons of sensitivity and specificity. So we know that if a patient gets a positive D-dimer, we are committing them to getting that anticoagulation. They're going to potentially have to come back to ambulatory care for a CTPA scan. That has radiation risks there's a cost involved. We know that we're sending them down a certain path when we request that D-dimer if it comes back positive, but we're still saying we don't want to risk missing those PEs, so we're happy with that sensitivity rate. But that might not always be the case. Yes, that's right. And the other thing to say about a test like D-dimer is that without it, all of the patients would be going for those scans involving ionizing radiation. But if we use D-dimer to safely rule out VTE in a proportion of the patients, then we can safely avoid doing at least some scans. So we reduce the unnecessary use of ionizing radiation without missing any important venous thromboembolisms. And I think it's worth saying as well, there's no test that's perfect, is there? Uh, we're always weighing up that sensitivity, but it would be nice if it was 100% sensitive and 100% specific, but it's just not going to happen, is it, for a lot of our tests? Exactly. There's no such thing as a perfect black and white test result that can categorise all of the patients appropriately. And that means that we always have to balance sensitivity and specificity. How we do that depends what we're using the test for. And just to recap then, Sensitivity is the measure that we use to rule out cases. It only relates to the patients who we know have the condition that we're worried about. And it tells us the percentage of patients with that condition who will get a positive test. So they'll be identified appropriately. Meanwhile, specificity only deals with the patients who don't have the serious diagnosis that we're worried about. And specificity tells us what percentage of patients who don't have the condition will actually get a normal test result. This is really, really important when you're making the transition from being a final year medical student to a junior doctor. It's no longer about just knowing what tests you need to do. You need to think about what am I going to do if this test comes back positive? What am I going to do if this test comes back negative? And to speak from personal experience, when I first moved on to doing my on calls, I found it very, very shocking to think all of a sudden I'm now in charge of interpreting this test result and having a rudimentary knowledge of sensitivity and specificity and how it relates to the tests that we use in common clinical practice really, really help you make that transition. This is not just an exam revision topic. It's something that you will need to apply in your clinical practice every day in emergency medicine. You really have to understand sensitivity and specificity in order to be able to interpret tests appropriately. Take care. Take care.